I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Are you afraid of God? Now, I know, if you're like me, you're saying, of course not. I I love God. God is love, and He died for my sins, and I go to Mass, and I commune with Him, and I go to adoration, and I spend time in His presence, and and, and I love being around God. I'm I'm not scared of God. But what if, like Gideon, the angel of the Lord appeared before you with a message from Almighty God? What if you were like Zechariah, and the angel of the Lord appeared before you to bring you a message from God? What if, like Moses, you met God on the mountaintop, like really, in all of his glory? It's interesting to me that time after time after time, when we see the messengers of God, the angels coming and standing before God's people to deliver a message, the almost without, uh, without variation, the very first words out of their mouth are, don't be afraid, fear not. Now, if, if these created beings, these angels who stand before just with the message of God, if they have to say the first words out of their mouth, don't be afraid, what do you think would happen if we were face-to-face with God Almighty, God the Father, right in front of us? Well, we get this passage out of the book of Isaiah, and he, he gets this sense there in the very presence of God in a vision. He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they called to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 6. And we see that as familiar as we may be with God, as much as we may know about God, there's something about the manifest presence of God that is frightening. And make no mistake, this is the same God that we worship today. Tomorrow we celebrate the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, or as it's often known, Christ the King Sunday. And we have a hard time understanding what it means for a God to be king because we don't live in a monarchy. We, we believe, you know, we live in a, in a culture that, uh, that raises up the idea of democracy, that we all have some say in the way that we're ruled. Uh, and so we, we can't quite wrap our minds around what it means for Christ to be king. Uh, he, as the king, has absolute sway. And we, as his subjects, are bound to obedience to that king. You know, when we hear king, we think of uh, the fact that we've thrown off the monarchy in our, in our culture, in our nation. And yet, through Christianity, we have to now come and embrace this idea of monarchy, which we rejected as, uh, as a form of governance for the nation, 
we now have to accept as the form of governance for our souls. And that can be rather frightening because, of course, the, the, we threw off the monarchy in this country because we saw them to be imperfect and untrustworthy. Uh, now, God is neither imperfect nor untrustworthy. And yet, because we've rejected the idea of monarchy as a society, it's really hard to, to come to grips with the idea that I owe my, uh, my allegiance and I owe my obedience to, to someone without really any say in the matter myself. That just doesn't really jive with us. But Christ is king. And if he's to be king of my life, then I have to relinquish my own self-determination and to make myself a subject of that king. Pope Francis talked about that some this last Sunday, uh, and as it reported in, uh, in CNA uh, News, he said, uh, he cautioned us against having a mistaken idea of God as a harsh and punishing God, saying that fear paralyzes us and prevents us from doing good. He says, fear always immobilizes and often leads us to make bad choices. Fear discourages us from taking the initiative and encourages us to seek refuge in safe and guaranteed solutions, and so we end up doing nothing good. He said, we must not be afraid, but we have to have trust. And in this speech, he turned to the day's gospel from Matthew, which was the, the Matthew of the talents, if you recall. And he says, this, this parable makes us understand how important it is to have a true idea of God. And then when we finally do have a good concept, a proper concept, a true concept of who God is, then saying yes to his will uh, is not a scary thing. Yes, it may still be difficult. It may still require from us some bit of sacrifice or some bit of dying to ourselves, as it's often talked about in Scripture. Uh, but we know that that God is good and God's working good things for us. And God's not going to ask us to sacrifice uh, for no reason, but that out of our sacrifice, out of our obedience, comes the, the best possible outcome. So you look at the story of, of Abraham and Isaac in, uh, in the book of Genesis, and we see that God has asked him to sacrifice his son. Now, this is the son of promise, the son that God provided for him in his old age. And here God is now requiring of him this obedience to sacrifice that thing which was most dear to him, that thing which was the, the fulfillment of the promise of God. And yet he began the long walk towards obedience. And when the author of Hebrews recounts this, he talks about Abraham trusting that God was supreme and that God was different than the other gods of, of the areas, uh, that God was fully capable of bringing this son of promise back to life. Therefore, uh, he was going to go ahead and, and walk in obedience. And according to the author of Hebrews, that obedience was credited to him as righteousness. You know, we, we have the benefit of the full canon of Scripture. Uh, Abraham had none of that. Abraham had not one thing, just this, this uh, intimate encounter with God. But no, no Scripture and no history to look back and say, hey, God did this before, he'll do it again. We have the benefit now on this side of, of being given a picture of who God is. 
We're given a picture of who God is by Christ himself, who is the fullness of God and reveals to us the Father. Uh, he says to the, uh, the Apostle Philip, who says, um, Jesus, if, if you, we would be satisfied if you only showed us the Father. And he says, oh, have I been with you so long that you don't realize that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so we have this, this fullness of an understanding of, of revelation to know who God is. And so we have to seek that out. We have to pursue it so that we don't have an improper picture of who God is. Because with an improper picture of who God is, we have an incomplete understanding of who we are and what our relationship to him is. If we believe that God uh, merely exists to provide us with good things and happiness, then we begin to think of him as a cosmic celestial Santa Claus. And that if we have the right faith and the right amount of prayers, that God will give us what we want. And so then when we encounter difficulty and hardship, we look at this and say, well, God must not be real because I expected him to give me this, this good thing and it didn't happen. Well, that's an improper conception of God. And, and to the extent that you have an improper picture of who he is, yes, that God that you've built up doesn't exist because God is not a cosmic celestial Santa Claus. But on the flip side of that, a lot of people have this picture of God as being a demanding God uh, who, who only wants obedience for his own pleasure and, uh, and it's just very harsh. This is almost the, the Greek concept that the whole capricious gods living up on Mount Olympus playing with the hearts of man. And this is not a correct picture of God either. Rather, we have a God who, who is intimately involved in our lives, but who is less concerned with our present state, uh, our present happiness or the things that we think will make us happy, and more concerned with our eternal relationship with him. And so God will ask us to give up things that are very dear to us, just like he did with Abraham, uh, who, who was asked to give up the son of promise, the, the very fulfillment of God's promise to him. And it didn't make sense. Nevertheless, he obeyed. And so the question comes back, are you scared of God? Do you have a proper picture of who God is and what your relationship to him is? Do you have a picture and a conception of God as the benevolent, all-loving, all-good, all-powerful king of the universe, not out just to, f to meet all of our wants and desires, but neither is he out to, uh, to use us for his own gain. Rather, he is a God that desires relationship for our benefit. And this God, this king of the universe, this Christ the king, is, is only interested in making us saints. Sometimes that brings difficult requests. Sometimes that means he's going to ask us to do the difficult thing, but it's always to bring about our good. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Robert and Brittany Dalton about their experience with saying yes to God, even in very difficult circumstances. Come on over and join the conversation on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And we're coming up now on Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday in the liturgical year. Uh, next Sunday, we'll begin Advent. So we go from anticipating the, the reign of Christ uh, and waiting for his first coming at Christmas. And then we see Christ in a manger, and then at the, it takes us all the way through the year, and at the end of the year, we see Christ high and lifted up on his throne. And kingship is something we don't necessarily understand very well in our uh, American culture because we, we look at uh, leadership and governmental structures in terms of like a, a democracy where we get some say in the matter. And yet the, a kingdom or a kingship, uh, he has supreme authority and we are his subjects. Uh, we don't necessarily get a say in that. We get to say whether or not we're going to be obedient to that authority. And so today we're going to have a conversation with some friends of mine, Brittany and Robert Dalton here in the uh, Tulsa area. Uh, he runs uh, Mercy Heating and Cooling, and they, in, in my experience, I've known them for a few years, they exemplify what it means to say yes to God when it's really hard to do so uh, and live that faithfully. And so uh, I, Robert and Brittany, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having us. We're we're, we're excited and uh, and and we're, we're just blessed to to be able to share our story. Yeah, thank you, Timothy. The, the yes is not something that comes naturally, uh, and it's something I think that uh, while it's it's hard fought to get to that place of a yes, it's almost like the more we say yes, the more difficult it gets. It's like we start off and God gives us this thing and He says, "I want you to do this," and it's hard. And you're like, "Oh man, okay, yes." And you think you've got it good because you learned to say yes to God. And then it just, he, every time that the question comes back up, the stakes are a little bit higher and it's a little bit harder to say yes. So talk to me about the very first time that you encountered a situation and you're like, you know what? God's asked us to do this and it's hard, but let's go ahead and, and follow through and see what he does. Just give me that first story. All right. I think... I think probably our first real, real significant, you know, yes to, to, to the will of God. It, it came so after Brittany had, you know, been diagnosed with 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 cancer. Uh, had, she went through, you know, a, a few years of chemo and stuff. And uh, well, you know, we, we found out we wouldn't be able to have any more kids. Is what they told us. What the doctors told us. And and well, we we, we found out we were pregnant with with uh, with our our son Lucas, and who, who's healthy as can be. And so, you know, her body had taken quite a toll through, through the, the chemo and, and mm-hmm. with the side effects and such and, and, and with the, the other pregnancy. So, so Lucas was our third. And, and after that, you know, the, the yes kind of came to, to um, that's when the question was posed, you know, are, are you, are you, are you willing to follow me? You know, and um, because, you know, of, of the surgeries and stuff that she'd gone through, as far as natural family planning, we were we we weren't 100 percent receptive to that. We weren't we weren't excited about that. That was where I think maybe, you know, uh, God kind of poses that to us, and we know what's going to lead to fulfillment is is His way, but uh, but we were fighting it. Yeah. And um, that's that's where our first yes really probably came in, and and we said yes. And you lived but, that uh, yes. I, Yes. 
Yes, we did. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and it, like you said, you know, it, it kept getting the, the stakes got a little bit higher each time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we said yes. And then we found out we were pregnant with, with our, our son, Dominic. And, uh, so that, that, that was number four. And, and all of these, all, all of our children have been C-sections. And so that, that would be four C-sections. And, 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 um, you know, we just, uh, we, we, we continue to struggle, you know, our, our yes was, 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 was reluctant. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we've had two more since then, two more babies, uh, Laura and, and Angelica. And, and, you know, even, even up until, you know, our last baby who's just turned one, you know, we still struggle, you know, to say, you know, just, just lay it out, you know, for him and just let him have, have control and, and to say yes. But, and, and the stakes are still even higher still. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Robert and Brittany Dalton. They're some friends of mine who in their life exemplify what it means to acknowledge that Christ is King uh, and the implications of that, which means saying yes to the will of God even when it's exceptionally difficult. So talk to me, Brittany, a little bit about uh, the emotion of saying yes when you're wrestling with it, but it's not just you saying yes to God. It's not just you saying, okay, God, I'm hearing what you have to say and I'm, I'm going to follow uh, what you specifically say to me, but it's more than just you saying it because you're, you're married. So both of you have to come to this place where you say yes together. So, Brittany, talk to me just a little bit about how you have, uh, how you've approached that that question of obedience, uh, uh, following the will of God, as you're also living in a relationship. <laughs> well, at first, I was very stubborn and very <laughs> angry and confused because the voices of the world are so loud, mm-hmm. and the voices of the doctors, I think, were even louder for me. Um, but God blessed me with a faithful husband. And he knew what we were to do. And I became very angry and resentful with him that this is what he wanted us to do. And so we prayed and we said, you know, we're going to do some novenas. We're going to do some rosaries. We're going to pray about this. And I was just begging God, just, you know, probably to just tell Robert it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get the answer we want. And um, the emotions that came with it were a lot of anger. And I knew what God wanted me to do the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the true emotion came when it really was becoming, it was becoming a big problem in our marriage. And like I said, the voices of the world are loud. And mm-hmm. Robert, Robert and I were arguing about it, and I just fell to my bed. And I just began crying and just being, just crying out loud to the Lord and asking him, Lord, please don't make me do this. Lord, please don't make me do this. And it was as if my bed was moved away. And I was only before the cross. And the only thing in the world I could see or feel was our Lord on that that cross. And I heard him say, you know what I've asked of you. And I said, Lord, please, no, don't make me do this. It was probably the most emotional prayer I had ever prayed. And just so real. And he said, you know what I ask of you? And I said, okay, but you have to help me. I can't even get off this bed and go to my husband. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. My husband was sitting in the other room 
in a spiritual place I had never seen him before. And God helped me to go to my husband and then just to fall before my husband in tears, who I found out later was praying, Lord, you're going to have to do something. Mm -hmm. And I fell before him and I said, Robert, I know what we're supposed to do. That was the hardest yes in my entire life. I've had six C-sections. I've had seven other surgeries besides that. And I've had on and off three and a half years of chemo. Mm -hmm. So I'm tired physically. But I can tell you to this day, since that happened, the peace and the joy that I have found in Christ, is not, it's just not of anything this world can give. And I'm happy with my decision, and I am okay with the world knowing this is what I have chosen. Because at times I would find myself embarrassed, you know, because, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we've done it again. But we didn't. <laughs> God did. There's this passage of Scripture that says, have this same mind in you, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not uh, consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, uh, taking on uh, the lowliness of a servant, even unto death, death on a cross. And that because of that, God highly exalted him. And, and I, I love this picture because uh, Christ even gives us this example of a difficult yes in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says that exact same thing to God the Father that you were taking to Christ. If uh, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, don't make me go through this. Nevertheless, yes. let not my will but yours be done. And and so that that yes to God is doesn't even necessarily have to be enthusiastic, right? Uh, it can come in the midst of tears. And it says uh, in the that passage about the Garden of Gethsemane that he sweat. Uh, great drops of blood, uh, just just from the the tension and the stress of that moment, and that because of that, because of him emptying himself out and subjugating his will, nevertheless not my will but yours be done. Uh, because of that, we found our own salvation. God used uh, that difficult yes uh, to great spiritual benefit for all of us, and and I think that that's true as well. That God uses. Our difficult yes, uh, whether it be for our own spiritual benefit or for those who who are around us who watch that play out, uh, God takes that difficult yes and makes it into something beautiful beyond description. And it's so comforting to know that Christ has walked this path. He has said the difficult yes, and he gives us the grace to do it as well. We're talking today with Brittany and Robert Dalton, friends of mine, uh, purveyors of mercy, heating, and cooling in uh, Broken Arrow. Look them up on Facebook. I'll put a link on our social media so you can find them. And we're talking to them about saying yes to God, even when it's exceptionally hard to do so. We've got a lot more with Robert and Brittany right after this break, so don't go anywhere. In the meantime, join the ongoing conversation on social media. Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Come talk to me. Tell me about a time that you made the difficult yes. And what was the outcome? We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today as we approach Christ the King Sunday, we're exploring what it means to say yes to Christ in in difficult situations, to say yes when it's really, really hard to do so. We're talking with friends of mine, Robert and Brittany Dalton, uh, and about the the many times in their life that they've come across uh, the difficult yes and the fulfillment that they found each and every time that they have submitted themselves to the will of God. Robert and Brittany, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Timothy. So let's talk. We talked earlier about your your recent experience with that just very difficult yes uh, around natural family planning, but that's only one of the things that you've you've dealt with in this uh, submission to the overall providence and will of God. And, and one of those that I want to talk about today is uh, in stepping out and starting your own business, uh, in doing the, the Mercy uh, heating and cooling. Of course, the, if you haven't seen it, the logo for Mercy comes from the, the red and the blue of the Divine Mercy uh, picture. That, and, and that motto at the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you, uh, to me really speaks to the story of your life that we've had the pleasure of, of seeing. So talk about the the prog- the process up to starting your own business and uh, how that played out in terms of saying yes. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Timothy, it's it's been you know it's been something that we we'd been working towards for quite some time. Uh, but it's you know, a friend told me you know he asked me what I was doing to to move forward in, in starting at my own business. I said I told him, well, I'm thinking about it, you know, hmm. and. Uh, and, and he said, how long have you been thinking about it? I said, well, a long time. He said, how far, how far has that gotten you? I said, well, well, I'm still thinking about it, you know? <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, uh, and right then he challenged me to, uh, he said, to make some concrete steps to make it happen. And, and we did. And, um, and, and, you know, a, a few months later, you know, here we are. Well, actually not a few months later, but it was, it was some time later, but, um, we started making concrete steps to, 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 to go into business for ourselves. And, and, and this all spurred from, you know, you know, we had a, a pretty big family and, um, and, you know, with six children and, um, you know, providing for, for, our, for our family was, was, was pretty tight. It was, uh, it was really rough and we, we were making it, but just barely. And we're, we just knew that we had the, the ability to, to do more and, and, and not just for our family, but to be able to bless others as well. And that was part of our goal. And so that's what led up to it. And I felt like as we were making these concrete steps, like we were walking towards a cliff that we were going to jump off Mm -hmm. and that God was saying, will you jump? I will catch you. And so the whole time we were making these concrete steps, I was saying, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) And Robert, he called at me right before because, you know, um, I think we were going through a bit of a trial and he called me and he said, you know, we have these financial struggles and we have six kids to provide for. I just don't think we're ready to do this. And I said, we're doing this. We said, we're jumping and we're at the end of this cliff and we're jumping mm-hmm. and God's going to, and he has done just that. Absolutely. It's been amazing what he's done. Uh, with our business and for it, and and, and it's it's you know, it, I, I people told me that it'd be it'd be rough, you know, it, 
most businesses don't make it through the first year, small, small businesses. And, and it's, it's, it's just been amazing how he's provided the work just when we're needed, just when it's needed, you know, at the right times. And, and, um, it's, it's just, I, I stand in awe, you know, just how he's provided. And it's just obviously, you know, God that, that's done it because, just the timing of everything, how it's come together. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Robert and Brittany Dalton, talking about saying yes to the will of God, uh, even when it's scary, even when it's not easy to do. You know, I think a lot of times we don't really wait for God to come through. We want him to come through at our timetable, and if he doesn't, then we start trying on our own to get out of the hole that we find ourselves in. Kind of like with Abraham and Sarah where, well, you know, I don't know how God's going to be able to give us a, a child this late because we're so old. We'll make it happen some other way, right? Uh, and it's yeah. kind of, it gives me that picture. I don't know if you had this experience as well, but when I was in, in driver's ed back in my teenage years, they took you out to drive and you drove around and they had the, the driver over uh, the instructor sitting next to you and they had a second break, right? So, so if they got a little nervous, they'd hit the brake. And I, I had one instructor that every time I would go out driving with him, uh, they'd hit the brake on me, and I, and I ne- it was like I was doing horribly. And then one time that person over there didn't hit the brake, and I felt this how hard it was to stop the car. I'm like, oh, and I never had a problem after that because I let it. They let it go as far as it needed to go, and I feel like sometimes we sit in that seat uh, next to God with God in the driver's seat, and we've got our little chicken brake that we. If it gets a little too tight or a little too scary, man, I'm going to hit that uh, because I don't know if God's really going to come through or not. And so I think part of saying yes to God is being willing to let him go as far as he needs to go to make the provision happen. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, it, and I don't think you've got any better. You know, I've, I, I've been, and fortunately I've, I've had Brittany beside my, you know, by my side the whole time we've, we've done this. And, uh, and, She's she's been the one that's that's been driving it. I'd say, yeah, you know, I've been sitting there with my foot on the chicken brake, and, uh, and and a little, a little, you know, at times just a little bit hesitant, you know. But um, to to move forward with 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 the next step, and and she just says, no, we're trusting God, and 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 we, you know, it's and we have, and, and it's it's just been amazing. Um, we named our company after mercy, you know, the divine mercy, because we trust in him. Jesus, I trust in you. And if we're going to say that, we need to live that. And that's part of why we do that. I mean, not just yeah. to, to maybe, not just to glorify God with the, with the name of our company, but also maybe as a reminder to ourselves that, hey, Jesus, I trust in you, because cause we need that reminder constantly, you know, um, whether it's in, in our business or, or in our personal life. It, it just, you look at that and, and it's just, Okay, I trust in you. I said, this is your company. I tell God that often. This is your company, not ours. <laughs> There's also a sense that, okay, uh, if this has got your name on it, and if it goes well, you get the glory, and if it doesn't, well, you know. <laughs> There's a little bit of, <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just a reminder, God, this is yours, so t- take care of it. Now, Brittany, this I is... Have, I haven't thought of it that way. I might use that now. <laughs> <laughs> So help, help keep me from messing it up. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, so, so I agree with that. Yeah. So Brittany, you also had an experience of a stressful yes uh, when you came into the church. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, trusting God, saying yes, when all the voices around you were saying, what are you thinking? 
Yes, exactly. Well, it was um, before Robert and I got married. Um, we were dating, and I had told him I will not be Catholic, and my kids will not be Catholic. <laughs> well, setting in the cathedral in Tulsa, um, a homily was given, and I just know that God was speaking to me during that homily. And we got in the car, and I told Robert, I want to become Catholic. Oh, but I was terrified of what others would think. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised as a Southern Baptist girl, and I knew especially what my family would think. And so, you know, I was saying, I was saying, yes, Lord. Um, but it was some time before, you know, even after I became Catholic, it was some time before I really said, yes, Lord, I will live this faith. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it was that it was easier at first to say yes, and it builds as you learn the faith and as you learn to live the faith. Um, and I can tell you today, it's one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Yeah. And right before I found out that I had cancer, I had grown so much in my faith that my rosary was my weapon, as St. Padre Pio always said. And I remember just gripping my rosary, and the day I was diagnosed, I believe and I know that through my Catholic faith, God gave me the strength when my doctor told me and Robert that the cancer was not curable, that he could treat it, and I would fight it for up to 15 years before it took my life. I know that in that moment, it was through my Catholic faith that God gave me the faith to say no, no. Mm-hmm. I know what my God can do. I trusted in him from that moment. So Robert, saying yes is hard, but it's always been one of the biggest blessings and where the most peace in my life comes from. And, you know, we don't think about that being a place where peace comes from, uh, to relinquish control, Uh, to say yes to God when we have no idea of what the outcome is going to be because we think uh, that our peace comes from knowing what's going to happen next and our peace comes from being uh, in some semblance of control of our life. And yet what you're saying is that it's quite the opposite, that by saying yes and relinquishing that determination of your life, uh, that's where you found the most peace. That is correct. There is a true happiness in Christ you can't find anywhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, uh, Robert and Brittany, for taking the time to be on the show with us today. Thank you, Timothy. It's been a pleasure. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come as we talk about Christ being the king and what that means for us as his subjects, as we are obedient to the will of God. Have a little bit more of that conversation with Robert and Brittany. It's available to our supporters on Patreon. Uh, Just go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon Support the Show link, and find out how you can support the show and get extra content each and every week. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to our reading from Scripture and from church history as we look at this question of obedience, of following the will of God, even when it's really hard to do. Join the conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And don't go anywhere, because we'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we've been talking about saying yes to the will of God, even when it's hard to do so, even when the things that God asks of us are difficult. And we had a great conversation with Robert and Brittany Dalton, some friends of mine who Uh, in their life have really exemplified this, saying yes to the difficult requests of God. If you missed any part of the show, or if you know someone who needs to hear this, have no fear. Everything's archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Just click that episode archive link. Today's show will be up in just a few minutes, and it'll be up right at the top of the page, first one out the gate. But you can go through and listen to all the archives. Uh, and listen to your favorite shows over again. Speaking of your favorite shows, we just had our uh, third anniversary, three years of doing Outside the Walls, and I want to give something away. And so the way we're going to do that is just come over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, or Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls, and let me know three to five of your favorite shows uh, over the last three years. So go through those episode archives and Refresh your memory of what we've talked about the last few years, and uh, let me know what those three to five favorite episodes were, and you'll be entered into a drawing for a Christmas present. Now, if you don't like your odds and you want to make sure that you get a Christmas present, well, I'm giving away a, a book by Scott Hahn to everyone who supports the show at the $10 level over on Patreon. And Patreon is a great platform that lets you support the ongoing work we do here at Outside the Walls at a financial level you feel comfortable with, from as cheap as $2 a month to quite a bit more. And as a reward, as a thank you for supporting the show, you get all kinds of extra content from extra unbroadcast segments. We've got one this week as well with our guests. Uh, to to book giveaways, to video chats, and much more. So go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and take a look at what's available and what you may feel comfortable doing. Now let's turn our attention over to Scripture and our reading from church history. Today we're going to be reading from tomorrow's first reading. This will be the reading you'll hear in Mass on Christ the King Sunday. And we talked in that first segment about how important it is to have a proper conception of who God is. That with a proper knowledge of the character of God, it makes it much, much easier for us to walk in obedience. Yes, the things that he asks of us are still difficult, but knowing who he is and knowing that he has our best in mind makes it so much easier to walk in obedience. So tomorrow's reading that we're going to read right now uh, is from the prophet Ezekiel. And even there, he's revealing to his people and to us who he is so that we'll walk in, in union with him. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. As a shepherd tends his flock when he finds himself among his scattered sheep, so I will tend my sheep. I will rescue them from every place where they were scattered when it was cloudy and dark. I myself will pasture my sheep. I myself will give them rest, says the Lord God. The lost I will seek out. The strayed I will bring back. The injured, I will bind up. The sick I will heal. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy, shepherding them rightly. As for you, my sheep, says the Lord God, I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. That reading comes from the book of Ezekiel. 
And in it, God reveals his tenderness and his care for those of us who will be his sheep, who will submit to him, who will live a life uh, as sheep, recognizing our own limitations uh, and following after the, the voice of the shepherd. Today, we're going to read from church history out of the encyclical Quas Primus, which is the encyclical from Pope Pius XI, in which Christ the King became a feast. And there we read, The foundation of this power and dignity of our Lord is rightly indicated by Cyril of Alexandria. Christ, he says, has dominion over all creatures, a dominion not seized by violence nor usurped, but his by essence and by nature. His kingship is founded upon the ineffable hypostatic union. From this, it follows not only that Christ is to be adored by angels and men, but that to him as man, angels and men are subject and must recognize his empire. By reason of the hypostatic union, Christ has power over all creatures. But a thought that must give us even greater joy and consolation is that Christ is our King by acquired as well as by natural right, for he is our Redeemer. Would that they who forget what they have cost their Savior might recall the words, You were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb unspotted and undefiled. We are no longer our own property, for Christ has purchased us with a great price. Our very bodies are the members of Christ. Let us explain briefly the nature and meaning of the Lordship of Christ. It consists, we scarcely need say, in a threefold power, which is essential to Lordship. This is sufficiently clear from the scriptural testimony already adduced concerning the universal dominion of our Redeemer. And moreover, it is a dogma of faith that Jesus Christ was given to man not only as our Redeemer, but also as a lawgiver to whom obedience is due. Not only do the Gospels tell us that he made laws, but they present him to us in the act of making them. Those who keep them show their love for the divine master, and he promises that they shall remain in his love. He claimed judicial power as received from his father when the Jews accused him of breaking the Sabbath by the miraculous cure of a sick man. For neither doth the father judge any man, but hath given all judgment to the son. In this power is included the right of rewarding and punishing all men living, for this right is inseparable from that of judging. Executive power, too, belongs to Christ, for all must obey his commands. None may escape them, nor the sanctions he has imposed. This kingdom is spiritual and is concerned with spiritual things. That this is so, the above quotations from Scripture amply prove, and Christ, by his own action, confirms it. On many occasions, when the Jews and even the apostles wrongly supposed that the Messiah would restore the liberties and the kingdom of Israel, he repelled and denied such a suggestion. When the populace thronged around him in admiration and would have acclaimed him king, he shrank from honor and sought safety in flight. Before the Roman magistrate, he declared that his kingdom was not of this world. The Gospels present this kingdom as one which men prepare to enter by penance and cannot actually enter except by faith and by baptism, which through an external rite signifies and produces an interior regeneration. This kingdom is opposed to none other than to that of Satan and to the power of darkness. 
It demands of its subjects a spirit of detachment from riches and earthly things and a spirit of gentleness. They must hunger and thirst after justice. And more than this, they must deny themselves and carry the cross. That reading from church history comes from the encyclical of Pope Pius XI, Quas Primus, which promulgated Christ the King as a feast. And we hear the words in that, and they can, again, they can be a little frightening, that, that obedience is owed, that we've been purchased and we're not our own, that we belong to someone else, and that we must take up our cross and follow Christ. These things are frightening if we don't know the character of God. If we don't trust that God is good or that, or that Christ loves us, love meaning to will the good of another, then it would be very easy to hear those words and, and to push against them, to rebel against them, to kind of recoil from them, to say, ooh, ooh, I'm supposed to uh, blindly obey? Well, no, we don't blindly obey because we know who God is. It's been revealed to us. We trust his love for us and his kindness for us. And so then when he comes and he asks us to do the difficult thing, we can turn and say, ooh, I don't want to do this. Ooh, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. But then knowing who God is, knowing his love for us and his care for us, the one who will seek us out and bind up our wounds and make sure that we're fed and pasture us, we can look to him and say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Knowing full well that I trust the will of God, I trust that God will provide for me and for my family. And, and so even though where God is calling me looks scary, even though I, I can't see how it's going to pan out and work out if I obey, I can say, I don't want to do this. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's something that I've had to do several times in my life, and it's never fun, and it's never easy. But there he is. Christ stands on the waves of the storm and calls us out of the safety of the boat and says, come follow me, to what looks surely to be our death and our doom. And he says, come, follow me. And he says, if anyone would save his life, he must lose it. And if anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. And that's what it means for Christ to be king, not only of the universe, where all things have been given to him, all things are subject to him, but the king of my life, the king of my heart. And so this week, as we get ready to go into Advent, where we remember that all is not right with the world, Let's take a little extra time in prayer and ask, God, what are you asking me to do? And help me to say yes. Lord, I believe that you're good. Help my unbelief. That's all the time we have today. Thank you for listening. Join the conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Today's show has been made possible by all the folks who support us on Patreon. Join their numbers at OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Patreon link. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.